systematically teaching the Bible week in and week out to our young people. So thankful for you. Glad to have the Dixons with us this morning. Uh, so, so fun to see your ministry, and um, it's so great. This morning we're talking about joy, and uh, if you had 93 days to live, I'm wondering if you would keep your job or quit your job. Would it bring you more joy to stay, work, continue working, or continue in the daily grind, whatever the daily grind is for you? Would you quit doing dishes, or would you keep doing dishes, or would you carefully calculate just how many dishes you have and how long, you know, when, when that cutoff would be? Would you continue to do laundry, or would you stop doing laundry? I guess I'm asking, does the grind bring you joy, or do you just hate it? Would you keep learning new things, or would you say, well, I'm going to die soon anyway, so there's no point in learning anything new? Does learning bring you joy, or do, does learning just seem pointless because what's the point? We're going to die anyway. And a question we really haven't asked, we're a couple weeks into this series on Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes kind of forces us to see that our days are numbered and we are going to die question we haven't asked yet is, are you ready to die? Are you ready for the fi final judgment? <clears throat> because, I mean, you don't know that you have 93 days. You don't know how long you have at all, so might as well be ready. Like, are you ready? As I mentioned, this series is on Ecclesiastes, and it's entitled Living Backwards, and we've are kind of doing a partnership with a book that we've made available earlier, uh, and if you search for it, it's, this is the title you'd find, Ecclesiastes, A Call to Live Backwards. We gave away all of our copies, but if you want to pick up a copy, the, there's a reading schedule in the bulletin, and you can keep up with us that way. I think this is an off week, so you get a week to catch up. He covered in one chapter, which I'm covering in two messages, because I really think the material this week is so very important. I didn't want to rush through it. So, because it's about joy in life, joy in the stuff of life. And so, the reason it's entitled Living Backwards is we do better work when we know there's a deadline, and we live better lives when we know there's a deadline. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. So, before we jump in, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would meet us with your grace in our lives right now and show us the way to joy. It's there. You're offering it. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 12 says, So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. So if you've been following along the last couple of weeks, you know this is not the first time that he has taken a look at wisdom. So we have a canister up here 
labeled wisdom. So the way I think of this is like, just it's like there's wisdom here, and he's going, there really should be joy in this. I know, in fact, that there is joy in this. I really should be able to get joy out of this, but I can't seem to do it. So it's like if I handed you this can and said, I know that there is joy in here, but you just got to try to get it out with your bare hands, it would be frustrating. It's like this is how he feels about life. So, so earlier, like I say, earlier in the book, he's already said, I turned my heart to wisdom and I tried my hardest and I couldn't get any joy out of it. And now he's going to come back and try it again. And I think this is kind of what you and I do sometimes is we kind of try the same old paths again and again thinking maybe this time I'll get joy out of it. And then we don't. So what is the answer? How do we get joy out of it? So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly for what can a man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly. So he's saying, maybe I can't get any joy out of it, but I can't deny that wisdom is better than folly. When you think of wisdom, you think of like living with the grain of creation. Think of like skilled living. You think of, so today we would talk about doing all of our research. Today we would talk about reading all the reviews. Today we would talk about watching YouTube videos to watch how other people do it. Today we would talk about like really getting educated on a subject. All that is like, like they're, what they would talk about with wisdom. It's like, better to do that than just go into it blind like you would with folly. As there is more gain in light than in darkness. So he's like, wisdom is like light. It is a really good thing to have. Like wisdom really does help. It like sheds light on the subject. It's awesome. What, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. So like wisdom is like light. It's like being able to see straight. It's like being able to see clearly. Where folly, you just walk around bumping into things, making dumb mistakes that everyone else could see coming. Yet I perceive that the same event happens to them all. So, so it's like, yes, you have light. But what do you think the same event is? You say it louder? Death. death. This is the point of living backwards. Like, death is coming for everybody. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. He's saying, I can live with all the wisdom I want. I can have all the light I want, and I'm still going to die. Why then have I been so very wise and said in my heart, this is also vanity. It doesn't bring me any joy. I should be able to get joy out of it, and I just can't. For the wise as the fool, there is no enduring remembrance because death makes fools of us all. Seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten how the wise dies just like the fool. I look at this like a card game where there's strategy to it and you, you use all the very best strategy that you have. Like you use, you play your cards smart. You lead high. You don't trump your partner's ace. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you do, you play your cards the very best you can, but here's the thing. You don't have any trump. 
And death has all the trump cards, and death is going to trump every card you play. And this is the question that he's asking, like, what card can you play that death won't trump? Have all the wisdom you want. Shine all the light you can. Be as smart as you can. Do all the research that you can. Talk to everyone you can. Watch all the YouTube videos that you can. Be as, it doesn't matter. Death is going to trump everything you play. So he's like, this wisdom thing, I should be able to get joy out of it, and I just can't. Because death trumps everything, every move I make. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. So I hated my, all my toil. So, so this is why we started asking, like, would you keep your job or would you quit your job? Do you get any joy out of your work or do you hate your work? This dude decided that even though he was really, really, really good at his job, well, I won't spoil it for you. Let's read it. In which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Why does he hate his toil? Because he can build a massive pile of whatever it is, and you know what? He has to pass it to people who are going to squander it. Who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool, yet he'll be the master of all which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of all my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. It's like, look, here's what he's going to describe. He's going to say, look, you toil. This doesn't say oil. It actually says toil. I know if you look at it from a certain direction, it looks like oil or... Yeah, so anyway, it says toil. So he's like, look, I, I work so hard, and I see people who work so hard their whole lives. They work so hard. They save, and they save, and they save, and they save, and they work, and they work, and they work, and they save, and they save, and they save, and they, save, and they die, and they never enjoy any of it. Remember Ronald Reed? That was week one. Remember that? And he says, this is also vanity, a great evil. Like, that shouldn't happen. But what has a man from all the toil and striving of his heart within which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. I mean, ask a business owner, man. This is, you work hard all day long. Work is constantly frustrating. And even at night, his heart does not rest. So Proven is a commentator, and he translates this. Such a person's body goes to bed, but his mind literally cannot lay down. You work and you work and you work and you work and you work all day long, and you come home, you're exhausted, you lay down and you go to bed, and your mind is still pacing back and forth trying to get everything done. And he says, that's how they live for years. And then they die and they don't get to enjoy anything that they did. 
and they leave it to people who don't appreciate it. So you're like, I should be able to get joy out of my toil, but I can't. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I've heard a couple times, man, this is depressing stuff. I think it's real. And I think you've got to face it. You've got to face it like head on and be honest about it. And then you can see the way out. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. So, like, how many generations will your empire last? You know, I, I think of, like, okay, like, one of the goals that I might have, like, is to try to say, okay, could I help my grandkids pay for college? Could I help them with that? Okay, even if I do, and I try to set that precedent, how many generations would that last? Like, how, how many generations will your empire last? And this is what he says, I, I should be able to get joy out of what I built, and I just can't. Because I know that I can't control the future. And I can't help but worry about what my legacy will be. Now, he turns the corner. So, these are the passages. I don't, you, I'm sure you can't see it from there, but I have these passages highlighted in my Bible in Ecclesiastes. They're the there is nothing better passages. Because this dude is brutally honest about reality. For worse and for better. And so when he says there is nothing better, I sit up and pay attention. So he says, there is nothing better for a person than that he should. Well, what? No, like, now you've got my attention. He should eat and drink. Okay, you don't have to convince me of that. Like, yes, I am all in. There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Well, wait, you just said that you couldn't get any joy out of your toil, and now you're telling me there's nothing better than getting joy out of your toil? But he has to be right, doesn't he? How much time do you spend toiling? How much time do you spend at work? When you come home, how much time do you spend working around the house? Those of you who have small kids and stay at home, you're like, I'm jealous of people that get to go to work. Like, my work just kind of runs around and makes messes all day long. I spend my whole day wiping noses and wiping bottoms and cleaning up. And like, I, all day long, it never ends. It would be a good idea to find out how to enjoy that, wouldn't it? Like, you spend, I mean, how much time do you actually spend doing nothing but leisure? Not as much as you want. I can guarantee that. But you spend a lot more time working. Wouldn't it be a good idea to enjoy it? So he says, there is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. So how do you do that? 
or make his soul see good in his toil, or cause himself to enjoy his work. Those are all ideas of the same thing. Finding a way to enjoy your work. He says, this also I saw is from the hand of God. So how do you enjoy your toil? How do you enjoy your toil? How do you enjoy your food and your drink? You see it as a gift from God. In your work, you look up and you say thank you. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, apart from God giving you this gift, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Joy in your work, joy in your food and your drink is a gift that God gives. And there's no other way to get it. For the one who pleases him, God has given, those three words are really important, wisdom and knowledge, and what's the last word? Joy. He gives joy. But to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. Well, that's kind of terrifying. Now we're talking about God being the judge. So do you, how do you know if you please him or not? We'll talk about that in a minute, but right now I want to focus on this idea that God gives joy. He gives joy. In the midst of the vanity and the striving after the wind, like this idea of just amassing stuff to give to other people, it's vanity and striving after the wind. And still, God gives joy. Now, how does he give joy? He gives joy believe it or not, he gives joy in the grind, in the toil of life. So I look at this like God's gift is like a can opener. It's like, okay, it's like the toil is one gift. The ability to enjoy it is a different gift. And to believers, he has given both gifts. You'll toil and you'll enjoy it. Now why is that? Why can you enjoy your toil? Why can, a, why can people who believe in Christ, who have given their lives to him, who have surrendered to him, why can, why can they have the gift of enjoying their toil when other people can't? Why can they open the can and get joy out of it? Well, because they're not trying to demand it be something that it's not. They're not trying to demand that toil justify them and make them a worthwhile person. They're trusting Christ to justify them. So they're not saying, you will justify me and trying to make, make their life count in a way that justifies their existence. They're just trusting Christ to justify them. And when it comes to toil, all they're doing is looking up and saying thank you. And because that's all they're doing, they can receive joy from it. They're not trying with toil to stop the grind. So 
So remember in um, chapter 1, we said that just like the sun goes round and around and around, so we do the same jobs over and over and over again. Just like the wind blows round and around and around, so we go the same places and do the same things over and over and over again. Just like the water cycle keeps continuing to run, so we make the same foods, clean up the same dishes, wear the same clothes, do the same laundry, run the same errands, go to the same job, and we said it's kind of like this cycle. Where there's a lot of noise and a lot of spinning and a lot of activity that never really goes anywhere. And this is what we said, it's like vanity. It just, it never really, never really goes anywhere, never really moves, never really finishes. It just keeps on spinning. See, if you demand that, okay, I'm going to make dinner, and I'm never going to have to cook again. You're going to be frustrated by that. I'm going to clean the house once, and now it's going to stay clean, doggone it. You're going to be frustrated by that. You're demanding something of work that it can't give. And when we demand that our legacy be under our control, that we can control it, and that our empire will stay our empire, and we can bequeath it to whom we want, and they will take care of it forever... We have set ourselves up for frustration instead of simply enjoying our work today. That's what you can do. You can enjoy your work today by looking up and saying thank you. This is, like I say, this is important because so many of us spend so much of our time working. The average full-time employee works 44 hours per week according to a 2021 Gallup survey which also found that roughly 41% of employees work 45 or more hours a week. I mean, you, you spend more time working, most of us spend more time working than we do with our families. Most of us spend more time working than we do anything else, other than maybe sleeping. Please, please receive God's gift And give thanks. Give joyful thanks. It'd be a miserable existence to hate every minute you spend working. So, God gives joy in the grind. He also gives joy in wisdom. He gives joy in wisdom as long as we don't make it, just like with toil, as long as we don't make it do something that it can't. As long as we don't make it Make us immune from death or death-proof us. This is what he, you know, he was trying to do. Like, if I get wise enough, it's still frustrating because I'm going to die just like the fool. Death, make fool. death makes fools of us all. So as long as you don't try to make wisdom do something that it can't. Like, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We said, wisdom is good, but it can't sin-proof your kids. Wisdom is good, but it can't problem-proof your marriage. Wisdom is good, but it can't pain-proof your life. Wisdom is good, but it can't problem-proof everything you're going to go through. Like, wisdom is good, but it has its limits. So receive it with joy, and it will be a gift that you'll enjoy. It will bring joy to your life. And third, God gives joy when we think of the final judgment. So at the end of this, when he says, 
For the one who pleases God, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This is also vanity and striving after the wind. It points forward to the final judgment when God will judge all of us. And we think, oh, how can this, how can this bring us joy? Well, the Apostle Paul is writing about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's writing about Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And he says, the sting of death is sin. And you're going, yes, Ecclesiastes has a lot to say about the sting of death. Because it makes fools of us all. Because it's a great equalizer. But Christ has taken the sting out of death by being stung by death for us. So he has paid for our sins. He has taken our punishment. He has died in our place. So we have victory rather than only sting. And the power of sin is the law. So the the law condemns us because we have all sinned. But Christ took our place and was condemned for us. He kept the law perfectly and offers us his right with Godness. So it's like here, I'll give you my right with Godness. You give me your sin. He takes our place. And so then he says, thanks be to God. Well, that's what we've been talking about the whole time. That is the way to the joy that we can have in life. Thanks be to God who gives us, this is what we've been talking about the whole time, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ as we receive our salvation as a gift, we can look forward to the final judgment with joy rather than fear. So, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. God gives joy in the grind. He gives joy in wisdom. And he gives joy in the final judgment. So, please, if you take anything from this, there's one way I could help you this week. Please learn the discipline, the exercise of giving thanks. I really believe that God's gift is joy. It's like a can opener for getting joy out of our toil, getting joy out of wisdom, getting joy out of the final judgment. It's like a can opener, but the way to use it is thanksgiving. And I just, I'm just... I'm always careful about stories I tell because I, there are people watching and I have no idea who's watching. But when I was like five years into my first church, I probably made the hardest decision I've ever made as a pastor. And that was to let a staff member go. And uh, I really thought we'd lose at least a third of the people that attended that church because they were such good friends with that person. I really thought that uh, half the deacon board would leave. Uh, I really thought it was going to split the church. And I, it took me a long time to come to this decision, and I did not do it lightly. Like, I bled on this decision. Um, there was a lot of times I was laying in bed, and my mind was doing the pacing back and forth, like we talked about earlier. But we made the decision, 
and we moved forward, and we kind of came through that season, and everything was okay. The Lord, the Lord just took care of the church through it. Um, and then we went on vacation. And that summer when we were on vacation, I was exhausted, I was mad, I was depressed. I was a real peach to be around for the family. And the first week we were in Sheboygan, and I just kept getting worse. You know, and I, I just walked, walked around with just this in my chest the whole time. I don't know if you've ever been there, but just this anger, depression, darkness. And I'm like, I got to do something about this. Because it's not getting better. I'm, and I'm sleeping, we're swimming in Lake Michigan, the kids are around, and I'm just mad. So, we had moved and uh, like switched spots, and we were at my parents, and I said, okay, I'm going to practice Thanksgiving. And so I wrote down 20 things I was thankful for every day. 20 distinct things I was thankful for. I probably still have the moleskin journal that I wrote, just made a list every day, had to start the day, 20 things I was thankful for. And not just giving thanks to you, but giving thanks to God. God, I'm, today I'm thankful for, and 20 things. And man, the sky opened, the sun came out, my spirits lifted, and I experienced the joy of the Lord again before we, before we went home. This is personal for me. Like, Please, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you're working on, joy comes through thanksgiving to God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the joy of our salvation, that you took our place and took the sting out of death because we know we have eternal life. Lord, we thank, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray that you just help us as we go through life, look up and give you thanks. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.